If you like what you hear, feel free to share this episode. But until then, sit back and enjoy the show. We're here again with Nick Stanton from WCC in Warsaw, Indiana. Nick, what's the process that you personally take to choose music on any given Sunday? Yeah, so oftentimes what worship leaders will do and what, you know, you kind of learn growing up in more of a mega church or seeker kind of churches, you know, start really big energy, high energy songs, and then, you know, get to slow songs, you know, with emotional strings that make you cry. And then maybe play a special that has to do with the sermon. And um, although that's not entirely wrong, I think we need to look at it as how does God want to be worshipped, and what it's a bit what's a biblical way of ordering worship. And so throughout the Bible, you can see, especially in the Psalms, there's Psalms uh, of ascent. These are Psalms as people were making their way to the tabernacle or to the temple to worship. They were remembering the good things of the Lord, you know, give thanks to the Lord, you know, like, you know, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, those with a clean hands and pure heart. You look at that and then you, and you look at the tabernacle, the, the, the places of washing of hands. I'd recommend a couple of different books when it comes to planning worship, solid biblical worship sets would be uh, uh, Worship Matters by Bob Coughlin. And then... Um, Another one, uh, Gospel Driven Church by Jared C. Wilson, uh, talks a lot about, uh, about a lot of different things when it comes to kind of the, the change that a lot of churches are going through when it comes to being a seeker church or a mega church and trying to become more of a, a biblical gospel-centered church. Zachary, I think his name is Zachary Neese, he's got a, a book called How to Worship a King, and it breaks down the tabernacle worship. And so if you look at the tabernacle worship, there's different uh, stages that you go into, enter his courts with praise, enter his gates with thanksgiving, and then you get into, and there's different hand-washing places as we're doing a lot of hand-washing right now in, in quarantine, but there's different places where we're, they wash hands and then they get into, you know, uh, into the inner, um, you know, you know, you know more probably about the, the temple worship than than I do. But um, as you get into more the Holy of Holies, you know, where the priests are only allowed. And there's a reason why they tie, they tied a rope around the priest and a, with a little bell because no one really could enter into that place with, unless they were completely covered by the blood of an animal. So there was ways that God wanted to be worshiped and still wants to be worshiped. And, and, and uh, now we're not sacrificing animals. We have the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ, whose blood covers us, and we can boldly approach the throne now. Now we have a tent of meeting. We, we are no longer like Moses who had to veil his face and the glory would go away. Now we can actually enter into that tent of meeting with God. But um, we have to acknowledge where we're at, and there should be places of confession, of acknowledging really our, our need for a Savior, our need for God, uh, acknowledging God's sovereignty and his holiness. And then ultimately uh, worshiping through the word, you know, and making sure the word is being preached. You know, like Paul says to Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season, not just when it's popular or when there's a cool topic. You know, all that goes into planning of worship. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the process that kind of went on there for a while, but that gives you an idea. And I thought it was interesting that you were talking about 
how does God want to be worshipped? Because I think a lot of times we have a tendency to say, I, I mean, how many people have you heard say, I don't want to worship that way, or I don't like that style of worship, or, or you know, th- that's kind of, it's almost like it's their preference that's driving the way that they worship. But what you're saying is that we should let God and His Word drive how we sh- how we worship because it's about Him ultimately. Anyways. Yeah, it'd be like if I set up a a date night for my wife and everything that I set up was like everything she hated, you know. And like it's like, do you even know me? You know, why why are you doing all of these things? And, and it's like, well, well, you know, I just want to show that I love you, you know. And it's like I would be an idiot if I did that. So God wants to be worshipped. He, he's worthy of our worship, and, he, and He's worthy of, of, our, of our praise. And I think He ultimately wants us to lift our eyes to Him, to behold Him, not stay looking down at our shoes or ourself, kind of in that woe is me place. But He wants us to lift His eyes, just like, you know, my son look, looks up to me, and he wants me to pick him up, which now he's like 90 pounds as a six-year-old, so it's a little bit harder to pick up. But then that brings me joy to to see my kids want me to pick them up it's the same way when we come to god and worship you know if you're a hand raiser or not like something about lifting your hands and saying god like i need you yeah god wants to be worshiped and and yet there's examples in the bible where god says you praise me and and yet your hearts are far from me like i'm tired of your singing and your noise that you're making you, you, there's no love for me you know and and that's that should be a wake-up call to worship leaders like are we just banging cymbals and making noise and our hearts are far from god i like that imagery of the father and the son and the son is kind of looking up to his daddy to be picked up or to be whatever to be encouraged or whatever the situation might call for in that moment but it's it's about ultimately seeking the approval of daddy in some way Mm. and worship it sounds like you're kind of having that opportunity to lead someone in worship in other words leading somebody into that acknowledgement of who god is rightly according to scripture Um, and then also you know another part to that acknowledging who we are in relation to god in scripture but then there's a beautiful picture of worship as well to say okay that chasm doesn't always have to be that way um jesus was sent to this earth to die a sinner's death um, because he didn't want us to be stagnant in our worship he desired us to worship and that's why i like the book um by john piper we've been talking a lot about john piper um called let the nations be glad Mm -hmm. missions exist because worship doesn't exactly and that's the whole premise or thesis of his book, and really, I think of his life is um, you know he desires people to worship him, um, and because of that, God established missions to make that means necessary or possible. And I think we see that uh, laid out in Scripture. I, I had a podcast a couple of episodes ago where I was kind of laying out that the Bible is all about God. I mean, ultimately all about God. And I think a lot of times, and this isn't wrong, that we think that we've, you you probably heard the phrase or heard the saying that the Bible is a love letter to man. And that's true. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't end with that truth. 
or even start with that truth. The starting point is in the beginning, God created. Yeah. All right. So, so with all that said, Nick, you know, I really appreciated the, you giving your process for how to choose music and, and why it's important because it's not about us. It's about God ultimately. And worship music is meant to usher us into the presence of God. But how do we as both church leaders and parishioners guard against error in music? This kind of gets a little bit more to the practical side of things. I think um, one thing, if, if you know, worship leaders listening to this, one thing I would say is don't look down on new songs or old songs. And, and we can, there is, there has been so many songs that have been written that are theologically rich. Maybe they don't have the same style as today, but yet, you know, there's lots of bands that have reimagined older hymns or whatever. Um, but there are some hymns that aren't theologically accurate either. So don't just, just because it's in a hymnal doesn't mean it's theologically accurate. I think you need to uh, do your best in don't just assume because a song sounds good and has a catchy melody that it's actually theologically accurate or that it should be sung in church. Um, you know, do some vetting and just like you would a sermon and, you know, something is a red flag, you know, investigate what does that mean? And, and if it's, if it causes too much confusion, even on your part, looking for the song, then you might want to consider not singing that song because if you're confused about it and you, it, it's kind of like if you have to explain a joke, it's not funny. It's, it's like if you have to ex theologically explain a song, then is it a good song to sing in church? If you have to have caveats in that, um, that's one way to guard. I, I think looking for songs that are rooted in scripture. Now you can have songs that are rooted in that have scripture type they have verses in them that, that look like they're from the Bible, but yet they could be construed and make sound like it's about something completely different than it was out of context from the Bible. But if you look for songs that are um, written uh, with scripture in mind, I mean, those are great songs because they're rooted in something that's living. You know, the word is alive and active. And so when we're singing theology, when we're singing doctrine and, and that gets, uh, wedge down into your heart deeper than a, a lot of other things can. I mean, music is, is really a powerful form, a powerful medium, not in the Harry Potter sense of medium, but in the uh, <laughs> artistic sense of medium that really can help you express and, and also can help you. I mean, there's, there's power in worship and we see that in scripture when in singing. And I mean, Saul, uh, you know, asked David to play his harp for him and to cast out the evil spirit and um, which God had sent, by the way, like uh, if you look at that scripture closely, um, King uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, you know, he praised the Lord and God says, send out the worshipers, you know, before and, and the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And when they begin to worship and lift their voices, you know, great is the Lord and and, you know, uh, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And all of a sudden, the armies started turning on each other. The enemies started turning on each other. So there's lots of examples where music, uh, I think Paul, Paul and Silas, you know, and they're singing and, and you know, <laughs> the prison guards are converted and the, 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 you know, the prison doors open. And I mean, they're singing. And so there's power in worship. But yet 
uh, Lucifer, he was, he was probably one of the first worship leaders, right? He, he was in charge of going back and forth in front of, you know, the, the glory of the Lord. He was this angel of light and, you know, a highest command. And yet he was, he thought he could be God and, and God cast him out along with all of the demons that went with him. And there's also a, we should be very cautious when it comes to the, that, that influence of music. And so when people are getting, you know, all riled up after a 18 minute worship song that just keeps building and building and building, you know, and at some point you have to say time out, like, is God actually even listening? Is he actually, you know, the song says, I, I love you, Lord. I lift my voice to worship you. Oh my Lord rejoice, you know, like take joy in what you hear. Do, does God take joy in what he's hearing? Or is he just seeing people like losing their minds? <laughs> I kind of on a rant there, but it's, um, this is a really important thing. And it's kind of why I've realized in the past, I've probably seen the worship leader or worship pastor position as like a second class pastor position or as a third level of pastoring and, you know, right there with the youth pastor or whatever. And, and yet just like the youth pastor should not think they're any less than the senior pastor, the, the worship leader, worship pastor, they are in some ways safeguards and, and guardians of theology. And, and it's a very powerful and very huge responsibility, not, not powerful in the sense that like, it's, it's going to like overtake you, but powerful in the sense that people are very influenced through music. And so we shouldn't take that lightly. And, um, and we should be safeguarding that for sure. So we should see it, we should recognize that it's a, a very powerful tool. And as such, make sure that, that we wield that tool with care, because we can either use that tool to build something up or we can use it to tear something down. We can use it to build ourselves up and, and, and there is something to be said about edifying the church, but yet ultimately the point of worship is not about us. It's about God and it's about seeing him rightly. Not just seeing him, but seeing him rightly. Yeah, I like that. W one last thing before we, before we let you go here. I did want to see if there were any resources that you would recommend to the audience in relation to the topic that we're talking about right now, as far as rightly worshiping, what it looks like to worship, what worship even means, anything along those lines that you think would be really good resources. Yeah, I would recommend, highly recommend, um, well, like you, you had mentioned earlier, um, John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Um, it, it's about missions, but it's also about worship. Uh, worship Matters by... Bob Coughlin, The Explicit Gospel by Matt Chandler and Jared C. Wilson. Jared C. Wilson has a lot of great things on uh, gospel-centered uh, kind of movement, but um, his gospel-driven church as well has is, is got a chapter in it on worship. Zachary Neese, his book called uh, How to Worship a King. But then, you know, as far as resources go, uh, I, I really, I, I think somebody who's kind of would be more in the middle middle ground kind of category as far as like um, just, I just feel like they're balanced is um, if you, if you follow uh, Shannon Shane's uh, worship initiative, they do a lot of um, podcasts and training and, uh, um, and they, they've recorded like 15 worship albums of just like 
modern worship songs and then also hymn, they've got hymns albums and and so i think not only just with their the arrangements that they make are great uh just you know if you want to kind of have take a hymn and, and make it more modernized stylistically the songs that they choose to record um are very theologically sound um i i'm not i'm not a proponent to like just because it comes out of a certain church or certain movement that i'm not a dis disregard a worship song i think if if a worship song can stand on its own you know theologically then then i'm i'm all about it yeah so uh, them uh, keith and kristen getty's got some great stuff matt boswell matt papa they have uh, uh some sovereign grace roots yeah and then and then look for like those local places that are influential like smaller churches that aren't like these epic, epic mega churches that are cranking out worship albums every month. But, you know, if you look on YouTube, just, you know, look up a hymn and, and see how they've taken a hymn, a version of a hymn or whatever. And you might, might turn you on to a different style of worship. But um, I would say always reach back into the past and, you know, look at some solid songs that you can always hold on to and then, and then filter through new songs and it's okay to let go of new songs too <laughs> you know please stop singing oceans no <laughs> you know um but you know there's the songs that like that for a season the church needed to sing them and and now we we move on but um yeah nick stanton thank you again so much for joining me on the josh lozano show and i really appreciate your life and your ministry and i and praying for you as you continue on in that. And thank you for encouraging us to seek God in how we worship and when we worship. Thanks for having me. 